Welcome to the Learning with Lowell podcast. I am Lowell Thompson, and my lifelong love of learning saved my life. A few years ago, I was in and out of the ER and ICU with no end in sight due to, at the time, a mysterious illness. I read medical journals, talked to scientists and researchers, and learned how to develop a good treatment plan, all of which put me on the path to becoming healthy, which I am now. I have met the team responsible for creating the drug that saved my life, and now I am taking my experiences and love of learning and translating them into interviews with experts, CEOs, and scientists in order to achieve three goals in hopefully every episode, to have fun and interesting conversations that are enjoyable to listen to, to learn what these people are developing and creating, to hear what their tactics, strategies, tools, books, and resources they use to accomplish what they were doing so that you can help navigate your career to help build the startup that you want to build. The best way to help out is to subscribe. Check out the learnwithlowell.com website where you'll have show notes, hyperlinked notes so you can click around in the audio. Every term that we talk about in the episodes go into those notes and they're clickable. There'll be links to everything in the show notes at learnwithlowell.com. The best thing you can do is to sign up to the weekly content letter that I put out. It comes out every week. It is fantastic. It comes from the interviews with guests. It comes from me just reading a lot on the on the internet. You'll have book recommendations, video, articles, things to help you progress in your careers, things to help you develop your startup, things to that are just fun and entertaining to listen and watch. You'll have all that every week. So definitely sign that up, check it out, and tell all your friends about it. That's the best thing you can do to help. Today we are joined with Emmeline, space entrepreneur, global challenge maker, aspiring exponential innovator, co-founder of SpaceBase, a social enterprise focused on democratizing space for everyone by co-creating space ecosystems in emerging companies, starting with New Zealand. She was also one of the faculty at Singularity University, co-founder of International Space Consultants based in California. She's also part of the Edmund Hillary Fellowship Program in New Zealand. In this, in this episode, we get into how she started her life sitting in front of tanks to overthrow a fascist regime and bring democracy to the Philippines and how that same drive of democratizing systems is a part of who she is and what she's doing today. We get into what she's developing, how she networks, tons of advice. So there's something here for everyone. And without further ado, let's get into this and start learning by Emily. When I first heard of you, I heard it from Malcolm, who uh, initially introduced us, and I was digging more into you, and I was listening to your your talks, and I thought it was really interesting. And this probably comes from my love of biographies, because so often, like what people do later in life has like some indication of what they were doing earlier in life. And so, like right now, one of the big things you're doing is working on uh, inequality, and you're you're focusing on space. But when you were younger, you also were essentially doing an inequality thing as well, like bringing democracy to the Philippines. And so I'm, I'm curious, do you remember the moment when you decided, I'm going to do, I'm going to stand up for these things, and it wound you up sitting in front of a tank? Like, <laughs> Wow, yeah, that's actually, um, yeah, that's a complicated question. I don't think that there's really one specific time. It's just that, you know, living in the Philippines under martial law, where Marcus essentially can just, you know, order to pick up anybody who talks against him and those people would disappear. And so that's kind of like the the environment that I had grew up with. And later on in life, when in the U.S., for example, you've got just the freedom of press where you can actually, you know, say anything uh, against the the president that was just to me a shock when i when i came came out of the philippines that was something that you could never do and so back when i was growing up 
think there there is this sense of already brewing within the young generation growing up that there needs to be something that needs to be done and that that not necessarily going on a violent way, but essentially speaking up and really talking about what you could do, and which is what happened essentially in the Philippines. In 1986, when Marcos was ousted, that was what they call the unbloodiest revolution. And I think it triggered a lot of the, kind of like when the wall came down in 89 and like all of those things that happened that sort of like in the Soviet Union at that time. I think it, it was inspired to a point by what had happened in the Philippines where they were able to oust a long-time sitting president with no bloodshed. And so that's, I think, one of the things that I'm, I'm really sort of passionate about to make sure that everybody is, is given the opportunity to explore and then also dream and be able to, to make those dreams come true. And I think that's a, a roundabout way of, of, of saying that I think the circumstances of my, my growing up and my childhood led me towards that direction. I think there's an African proverb where it's, if you want to do something fast, do it alone. But if you want to change the world, do it do it together. I'm butchering that. But it's this. I think in the same vein of what you're saying, you weren't doing it alone. There's a bunch of people made it less scary since it was really important. But at the same time, still probably still very scary. I don't know. I've never had to sit in front of a tank. That sounds uh, pretty intense. I think as a young kid, you don't really know so much what the consequences are. <laughs> But you just understand that, you know, there's something that needs to be done. And again, maybe to, in context, that was when a bunch of uh, basically military with tanks coming from the provinces trying to recapture a radio station. And essentially the, the people kind of like in the community wanted to make sure that they don't that they don't reach the, the radio station. And so from nuns to just like regular people basically started trying to convince the, the soldiers not to. And so I think it was, it was not as, as tense as you would probably think it, it could be. But uh, then again, yeah, I, I, was, I was really young and I, I even brought along my 12-year-old sister who shouldn't be there and probably had no idea why she's, she's also sitting in front of the tank. In, in any case, I think it was, it was something that I thought was the right thing to do. I think sometimes when people try to do amazing things and they haven't done anything amazing in their past, like they feel like they have nothing to draw on. Does that experience become like fuel for you in the sense that like, you know, you, you've already done something incredible in that way. So like anything else you want to do is, well, it's, you know, can't be that much harder than restoring democracy. Does it, yeah. Or does it like fuel you in any way? At that time, no, I don't think that that was, I mean, it might have inspired me at some point, but I think I am generally just drawn to things that are ideal and and also hard to reach and i'm not quite sure where that came from <laughs> but yeah the the for me the harder something is or a challenge the more that i'm interested in i i get bored with very simple things do you ever feel like you can't do something or have a voice in you that says no oh yeah all the time okay all right you good yeah. you're balanced yeah, all the time. I mean, I, I actually, I feel that I'm not really good enough, but I think, how do you say it? The, uh, the way to kind of counterbalance that is, is to 
basically bring other people that could help you make it happen. Like, I don't think that I myself could make it happen, but if I can at least at least inspire other people or basically convince them to to join sort of like the the initiative then i think that the things would actually definitely work and it's kind of like you build a, a network of support and accountability in the sense that you know you you almost have to make it work now there's other people who count on you to make it happen it's kind of like if you say you're gonna work out with someone every day of the week if you like it's much more likely you'll do it versus like, I'm going to work out every day of the week. If you haven't been working out for a while, you add like that social pressure makes it a little easier. Other than building organizations, I know you're a big Star Trek fan, or at least you reference Star Trek in, in your talks. Is there, are there, is, is that the ideal future you'd like? Or are there other fiction, sci-fi settings that you think capture what type of future you'd love to see? I am a Star Trek fan. And the reason for that is, yeah, it's, it's uh, although Star Trek is also not a utopia, of course, there's wars uh, between planets and so forth. But at least it gives us an idea of how a united Earth can potentially be working in the future and that it's not a dystopian future. I'm also a big Star Wars fan, but now, now that one is more, more fiction. I think going back to your question, other like science fiction. I think I, I'm more into to make sure that none of the dystopian science fiction is going to happen. That's sort of like what motivates me. Yeah. So for me, actually, I think Elysium was a turning point. And have you have you watched the movie? Yeah, I forgot Matt Damon's in there. His character is so weird. So Elysium is essentially the the future that I do not want to happen. We, we definitely have leveraged all of the exponential technologies that we have to be able to eradicate cancer and all of the health issues, that there's a utopian colony in space. But the thing is, it's only for the rich. And so, and everybody else is basically back in a dystopian future here on Earth, which is the future that, to me, that's frightening. And I think... We're at a point in time where there is a potential that if we actually do it correctly, be able to collaborate sort of globally, that that, that future is not going to happen. So that's my premise and my basis for what I'm working on right now and, and what the long-term mission is for Space Base, which is the, the social enterprise that we, we just started about two years ago. That's essentially what I do not want to happen. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. We need we need more Star Trek. What, did you have a generation that you liked in particular? I, I find that like there's usually like one that jumps out at people who are Trek fans. It kind of dates me then. <laughs> so when I was in grad school, I mean, it was the next generation, of course, with Captain Picard. And so th- that's sort of the era that I, I think gravitate to. But at the same time, the original Star Trek with Kirk, and, and and of course the the re the reboot well of that is is something that embodies what the Star Trek world is. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Next Gen as well. Captain Picard is getting another series. I don't know if you heard of that. Yeah, yeah, I heard about this, um, but not not too much yet. All I know is coming in late 2019, so we don't even have to wait that long. But it's it's yeah. like it's him when he's older. He's like yes. really sad. And he needs to like find hope again. Like that's the <laughs> like right after that explosion takes them all out. And so he, he feels dejected. That's all I know. I read about this because I'm excited about it. I love, I love Picard. Talking about space space, the, on your website, it kind of like formulates your plan of, of attack where you're looking at a census of what New Zealand had to offer, 
pulling people together, seeing what was needed, and then developing a plan. We are uh, taking baby steps. And the thing is that we're here in New Zealand as Edmund Hillary Fellows, where it's a three-year visa. The fellowship is really for entrepreneurs and investors to come to New Zealand, work on an impactful project that can scale. And for us, we think, especially now, New Zealand uh, with Rocket Lab being the current unicorn of the space industry, the New Zealand Space Agency also being very uh, progressive and quick in terms of creating policies. It just makes total sense to be prototyping here. And so what are we trying to do? What our, our focus really is education, entrepreneurship, and collaboration or, or creating a community. Those three things is our, our guideline for creating the plan. So at the moment, in terms of education and entrepreneurship, what we're trying to do is to educate local community to make them understand that space the space industry is no longer just for big governments and airspace, big aerospace companies. Essentially, with all of the technology that is now off the shelf and software replacing hardware, it's now anywhere around the world, you, you can be part of, of this ecosystem. And so we do briefings, we've, we've created meetups, we definitely do presentations like all over the country to get that out. And then the biggest thing that we're, we're working on right now is that about a year ago, we also created and started together with Christchurch NZ. We run the New Zealand Space Challenge. And so if you're familiar with, you know, XPRIZE, challenges really, it, it, it definitely catalyzes a lot of things. Well, for one, it solves an inherent problem that is important to either a local community or, or even globally. But it also catalyzes like ideas, projects, most importantly, like startups and businesses. So, you know, with the Ansari X Prize two decades ago, basically jump-started suborbital space industry because of a $10 million prize. And now there are remnants of that. There are companies now like Blue Origin and Virgin Galactic that are about to, to start commercial flights. So in the same vein, what we're trying to do is like in using challenges focusing on a, an actual problem that is important to New Zealand, we leverage space technology. So last year, the, the focus was extreme environments. The challenge was like, how do you help scientists in Antarctica not to fall into crevasses by using space technology? With that, we managed to garner like about over 30 organizations and economic development organizations here in New Zealand. We've leveraged like incubators from kind of all around the country to help the, those applicants. And there were five finalists and the winner who got $40,000 uh, in prize money basically is, uh, has leveraged that technology and tested his, his technology uh, in, in Antarctica in the last season. So that's on the entrepreneurship side, that's what we're doing with challenges. We're, we're trying to create space entrepreneurs in, in, in New Zealand. Since then, we've also been mentoring some of those entrepreneurs and startups that have come out of it. Then on the community building side, really there's an, an existing space ecosystem, maybe it's, it's infancy, and there are stakeholders that are already existing from companies like Rocket Lab to government-based agency to entities like the Center for Space Science and Technology or what's now called Zira and other companies that are more on the 
application side of, of, of space, so data analysis and so forth. And so, but, the, but those, those entities are kind of like all in silo and we're still trying to understand how to bring them together and, and make them actually collaborate. I mean, the challenge is, is one way of, of doing this, but the collaboration platform, which is where the directory is and where we also started a calendar for, for events, is the, the first step for us to get people to understand that there is an ecosystem. Uh, here are the organizations that are in one form or another working on, on space activities. And then that might be kind of like the first step to get them to, to work together. So that's sort of like what, where we are at the moment. The short term, long term to this is that for the collaboration platform, we, we want to get people to collaborate and create content that would help space entrepreneurs in general. And so we're working on a wiki, uh, which would start first on a, a wiki or, or repository for anybody who is interested in, in space in New Zealand. We would start that, but we actually want others to help us work on that. And so the next feature that we're, we're kind of like working on is, is how do you create contribution credits? Those people that could potentially help those credits at some point in time might be used by those contributors within the space-based community and ecosystem in the future. So that's the short-term or maybe mid-term goal. But as I mentioned earlier, we're prototyping. And so all of these things that we're trying to do is we're trying to create a blueprint for for creating a space ecosystem within a nation. And so if we're successful here in New Zealand and we can accurately make that blueprint accessible to others, then the next step to this is to be able to, what we call, we've to federate it. So going back to the, the Star Trek notion of if we can federate it to other nations or not, other countries who do not have a space industry or, or space ecosystem yet and don't have to go through the hurdles of what we've done here in New Zealand and they can do that more easily in in their own country then that contributes to this bigger goal of the democratization of space and trying to to take the inequality of what the current space industry is today which I mean if you can see all of the statistics there's there's about 62 billion dollars in government spending all over the globe today on space, but 87% of that, or almost 90% of that, is really the, you know, the nine wealthiest country in the world, so the G9s. And the rest is what the other countries have. And, and so that's uh, definitely not what you would want to have truly democratized global space industry. Uh, you would want to have a more of an even spread. And I think with technology now, generally democratized, there is movement. And if you look at also, again, statistics, there are over 2,000 new space companies that have emerged just within maybe the last five years. And that's really promising because, again, before it was only government and big aerospace, but now these are like new space companies. Even with that, there's still about 70% of, of that new space are coming from those wealthiest countries. So again, 
even in the new space side or in the entrepreneurship side, we need to change that paradigm. And even in terms of investments as well, like there's new investments in the space industry. Just in the, the past few years, uh, it used to be that it was too risky for investors to, to even touch. But there are now even dedicated space investors and that has considerably gone up to the tune of like, I think around like $3 billion. You look at that like total investment, only a very small percentage of that is not U.S. So it's all U.S. at the moment. So again, it's uh, our, our long-term goal here is to, to change that paradigm of, of making sure that other countries would have the same opportunity to participate. And so we're in this testing and experimenting phase. Makes sense. The um, quick suggestion and then a couple of follow-up questions. The, so for contribution credits, you could make you could have mission badges because I imagine there's going to be different phases and then you could give people like mission badges and they could, have, you know, it could be on their own. Yep. Yeah. yeah, we actually thought about that as well because like even in the, in, in, on the web, on the platform at the moment, the simplest way, at least on the contribution side, is to be able to acknowledge what they've contributed. So at the moment, the only feature that shows that is if you're, if you're a user, all of your contributions to the, to the website actually lists down your profile. In the future, it would be great to, yeah, yes, as you mentioned, uh, that there would be kind of like badges for the best contributor on, on this side to, to one segment or whatever. I definitely think that that's a great idea. I'm glad you guys are already doing it then. <laughs> I, <laughs> I know you worked at Singularity. Has, were any of those experiences something that you're on to develop these plants today? I'm always curious, like, how do people develop their strategies? You know, like, I know you're a biography reader. If there's any specific things that have influenced or examples of things that you learned that you're using now. Yeah, well, for one, that's the challenges. So with Singularity, I was also part of the team that when we first we first started, what we have the global impact competitions. So it's very sim- similar. They look at a specific project or a specific problem that is inherent in a country or in a city, and they create challenges for those and the winner actually goes to the global solutions program which is the summer program that that i helped develop a couple of years back so they've now run i think over a hundred of those now in over 30 or 40 countries my experience there i leverage to definitely work on the new zealand space challenge that we did last year and then also the, the new zealand aerospace challenge that we're currently doing this year which is uh, focus on sustainable agriculture, but at the same time, also I leverage my experience and also the challenges to help improve on them. So one of the things about challenges, as well, uh, just in general, is that uh, when you create a challenge and you you basically give the prize, depending on 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 the the support that happens like afterwards, that idea or that project may not go anywhere. They can either work on it more or they disband or, 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 that, or do something else. So one of the things that we're, we're trying to do, at least with, with the ones that we're running here, is that besides a cash prize, we are including like a six-month incubation support from a local incubator. Last year, it was wherever that the winner is located. This year, we're focusing on Christchurch and that Christchurch would be the one to leverage the, the, the resources here to be able to help 
those potential startups and in, in, in organizations and teams to work on their, their solutions like further on so that they become successful businesses. So one of the things that we added this year is that we're also running a virtual aerospace incubator. So within, within this time frame where the challenge, the deadline is not until September 15, within this four month time period, We've, all, we've actually pre-selected from a bunch of proposals or applicant proposals, 18 teams that we're going to be helping support in kind with like mentors and virtual webinars to help them through this process of going through their, like their design thinking and, and their prototyping and so forth. So that by September 15, they would have an actual viable prototype or practical demonstrable a solution that would be part of their, their application. Well, all this sounds extremely exciting. But for listeners who are listening, or even myself, are there, are there good ways that people can get involved either in helping you out with your piece or helping out the organizations developing that are going to be a part of the challenge? Uh, how can a listener you know, navigate from where they are right now to being a part of building what you're building? So let me parse that out like from the short term, long term kind of thing. So in terms of short term, yeah, we are working on, on, on a wiki and that wiki is like for, for right now, of course, it's focused on New Zealand. We're going to open that up pretty soon and hoping that we could, help, we could have other people contribute to, to the resources. And so that's, that's one. The other thing is that I mean, we created meetups, so space meetups. Well, we're now in Christchurch, but we also created one in, in, in Wellington. And these meetups can actually be done like all over the place. Doesn't matter where you are. Actually, if you're interested in space, just create a meetup and get to, you know, get together with people that are and passionate and interested in space and what, what they could potentially do kind of like for, for the future. There's also, if you're like new to, to the industry, Industry, you probably have a different experience and, and education base and want to kind of break into the, the space industry. So there's, a, there's several ways to do that. In the, in the past, like you'd have to go back to school and do aerospace engineering or, or do something that is related to a space degree. But today there are now also a lot of online free educational training sources. So one thing is if you actually Google Space Academy Bulgaria, there's this company called uh, EnduroSat uh, that uh, the, the co-founder was one of our students in, in Singularity and he created the, the biggest repository of space video training videos in Europe and even the European Space Agency is using it and it's gamified. It's a one way of basically learning anything from you know, systems engineering to remote sensing, and they're all online and they're all free. So that's one, one way to get to understand what are the, the areas of, of space that you might be interested in. The other thing as well is there are non-traditional programs at the moment that are all around the world. Well, for one, the International Space University based in, in Strasbourg, France, they have several programs. There's a there's a summer program that goes all around the world every summer, northern, northern hemisphere. Then there's one, also a five-week program that happens in Adelaide in Australia every January and February. 
Uh, and then they also do executive programs, I think one-week programs, like in different places. And, and, and these this programs are, I highly recommend if, if there's anybody who wants to pursue a career in space, this particular network, we joke around that it's, it's the Space Mafia. So I'm an alumni um, and I've worked for them uh, in the beginning parts when my first job was actually to help create the, the master's program, which is now uh, being done in, in, in Strasbourg, you know, in France. Yeah, and so these programs, they, you can apply for scholarships. And so they've had alumni from all over the world. I think over 100 different countries have, have already participated in 30 plus years of uh, being around. And so, so yeah, there's, there's those kinds of, of activities that can be done. And then uh, maybe just as a plug as well for Space Base. So we're right now, we're, we're still working on our collaboration uh, platform and we still need a bunch of features that needs to be developed. Our, our platform is Drupal-based. Um, and so at the moment, uh, we're still looking for basically help and volunteers for anybody who, who could help us create more features for the for the platform and the platform is going to be open sourced we're hoping that it can it would be open sourced by this month if not next month it is something that we're definitely needing help for and one of your talks you said if if i can do it then anyone can do it oh um, yes but at the same time you you've been able to do so much i'm curious do you do anything different what do you think are some of the things that you've done just in like a maybe like a habit level over the years that have allowed you to get where you are that someone listening in that's at the beginning of their life don't realize the importance of doing those things? I'm actually, like, I'm a B student. So I'm not the A student or the kind of, like, the, the really smart, uh, intelligent, that, you know, like, you know, rocket scientist. That's actually my husband. So I, I, that's not me. And so I, I always feel that even, even my grades, I, sometimes when I'm in my presentations, I would show that science and math are actually on the lower scale of my grades. I mean, I would have probably been better as an artist or uh, like in the social sciences, but because I'm just, uh, but, but the, 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 the thing about me is like, I, I am very passionate about things that I care about. And so, and space is one of them. And so one of the things is that I think the reason why I probably got through what I'm supposed to, to, to get through or, or, or uh, make things happen is that I'm just pretty stubborn about what I set myself to do. So that's one. The other thing is that I also try to look at challenges and break them up into small pieces. One of the, I think I, I gave one very short talk one time where I was thinking about the analogy of, of climbing mountains. So I'm a rock climber or was a rock climber. <laughs> I haven't climbed in two years. Uh, but um, the very last one that we, we did was Devil's Tower. Uh, do you know where Devil's Tower is in Wyoming? The one from Close Encounters? Is it the one that the kid made like a mashed potato thing of yes. it? Yes, yes. Yeah. So I climbed that about two and a half years ago. What? Uh, yeah. Just as like a, I'm sorry, quick interjection. What is, yeah. what is it? I've, I've never even imagined getting on. I have a thing with heights. Maybe I should probably rock climb and just overcome it, but uh, <laughs> that'd be a weird way to do it. When you're, I'm sorry for interjection, but I'm just curious. The, um, when you're on the top of that, what does that feel like? I, I don't know. Oh, well, it's flat actually in the top. And, and we were joking saying that, no, there is no aliens on top. <laughs> 
<laughs> but um, but yeah, the it's a it's a it's a it's a different kind of climbing because of all of those pillars that the if you look at the the the, the image, uh, it's like stemming all the way up. But and when I first saw it, it's like there's no freaking way I can actually <laughs> climb this. But you, if you kind of when you're climbing, uh, you know you break. Uh, the climbing to several steps because you, you you climb with just the the length of your rope and so the to climb Devil's Tower probably need like I think seven or it's like seven or eight pitches meaning seven or eight times the length of your rope and so every time that you you climb you kind of like concentrate on just the part that you're you're climbing and so that's sort of like how I I work through um like when I work on projects or, or I work on, on things, I break them down into small pieces and have milestones and the milestones, you know, you, you think of the first milestones first before, and then move on. But uh, you need to make sure that you get through that, those milestones. And I think it, it becomes much easier to think about it as opposed to like this enormity of this huge, big, Thing that you're 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 trying to achieve so that's um that's part of of kind of like how i i kind of work on on things the other thing that i wanted to add there as well is um um i think also it's the it's the ability to to be able to parse out opportunities and that that's in, uh, that also is connected to networks so uh, I think um, over the years, I have also built a network of people that has definitely helped me throughout kind of like my career. So networking is for sure something that is very um, important, especially in this the space world where it's, um, it's a very small industry. So you, you, you basically get things done because of the people that you know. Um, so that's one thing that is is very important. But going back to the to, to the notion of opportunities, like through, throughout life, I, I think we we get a lot of opportunities that get handed to us in like different times in different places and different in different ways. And I think it's um, you need to to get good at being able to to choose. And, and then also act on the opportunities that uh, will definitely kind of like help you in, in whatever um, endeavor or opportunity. There. Because there's, there are opportunities that there may, might be like really great and looks really exciting and so forth. But the one thing that I normally do is like, if there is an opportunity that comes along, I have to always look at my, my long-term focus. And if that opportunity aligns with that long-term goal then by all means try to take advantage of it even if it even if it looks like it's a slim chance you know just ask one of yeah i, I remember one of of uh, my colleagues at singularity who yeah one of his his recommend or biggest recommendations is that uh, you know don't be afraid to ask because uh yeah you may get, get turned down but you, uh, nothing's gonna happen if you you, you don't even ask um, so yeah, if the opportunity is aligned with, with your long-term goal, then definitely make sure that, that, uh, you at least try, but if it does not align, uh, regardless of how shiny that thing is, 
you know, it's not going to contribute or it might even derail what you're, you're going to be um, focusing on. Uh, so that's, I think, something that is, is really important. I definitely like the analogy of breaking down things and rock climbing as like measuring by lengths as a, as a, as a great way to think on how to get started on things. Because it's really easy to just, you know, be paralyzed with this idea like, oh, I have to do, I have to, I have to climb this mountain. So, so many steps, but it's like, oh, uh, you know, break it down into seven lengths to get to the top of it and then just focus on those things. And you can do one step at a time. I, I love that. And then the idea that, um, you know, not saying no for people is a, is a big thing. Like that's, that's one of the things I, I had to overcome with the podcast, just as an example for people out there, like, um, you know, so often you want to reach out to someone that you are you know inspired by or want to learn more about. And you say, oh, no, they're busy or, oh, no, they're, they don't want to talk to me. And it's like, if you care about what you want to talk to them about and you've done your homework and you make a thoughtful request, they'll probably say hello, <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. just don't waste their time. And then you'll probably be fine. But like the worst thing you can do is like not try. Um, you know, like, yeah. I think the worst thing is like to not try. And I think the, uh, Benjamin Franklin has a great quote, which is people die when they turn 25 and are buried 50 years later. Cause so many, mm. people, you know, like they just, they don't try. And then the second one I like, uh, is, uh, the greatest repository of knowledge is not the library or today, like the internet is in fact the grave because so many people don't, they, they say no to themselves and they don't take those shots and we're all made mm. more for it. So, you know, definitely like, you know, try and, you know, um, think of it like rock climbing, which is, so for one, one follow up on what you said is uh, building a network. I think some people don't really understand what that entails. They think of it as like this, like business uh, card, like greasy thing, kind of like sales. I think mm-hmm. people associate like sales and networking very yeah. interchangeably and it's not like a human emotional thing. So I'm curious if you could kind of expand on how you built your network. And I imagine it's much more um, what it actually is like, which is not like uh, a business transaction. I think, um, well, I, there, well, there's definitely the transactional kind of like networking where, uh, you know, you go to a conference and, uh, you know, you, you, you try and, and, and get uh, like business cards from people and trying to get to expand. Uh, so, I mean, those, those things definitely have merit depending on what you're try, trying to achieve. But I think what I'm more talking about in terms of networks are um, building um you know relationships really that are relationships with people that are like-minded like-valued are kind of like within your your community of people that are working towards the same goals and so those those things are very important and the same people and those people that will that you'll have that you normally become your either your friends uh for for a lifetime, will have the same network effect of they themselves would have deep relationships with other people that have the same values and the same, the same goals that they have, which, which then is aligned with yours. And so that's the kind of like network that you want to build, not the random kind of you know, one-time thing or one-time uh, for business and sales uh, that that, 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 yeah, that most people kind of like think about. And uh, I, I'm also, cause I'm, I'm an introvert. And so um, networking normally is not really my cup of tea when uh, you're kind of like either in events and so forth. Um, but I tend to think that 
at least the relationships that I, I value and I, I try to, to cultivate and, and um, keep going are the ones that essentially have influenced my career and, and has also opened doors for me um, in different times of my life. For people who have not built a relationship that isn't just a friend, how, let's say, so they meet someone maybe at a conference or in a class or like around town and they're like, oh, you, you know, we can even like narrow to space. Like you're excited about space, I'm excited about space. How, how would they build that relationship? Do they just like, you know, whenever they see something space related, they email it to them or like, what are some good ways to get the, kind of get the ground rolling and get them some experience of building meaningful relationships? I think there are many ways to, to do that, but at least on my experience, I think the ones that, uh, I do tend to kind of create like longer lasting relationships are those that I have in one form or another or even in a smaller way uh, work on some kind of project. Mm-hmm. Meaning like, you know, uh, even if you kind of like if, if you go and join like say a meetup group or a, or a space club or something, mm-hmm. if you even start just doing something that is a, a, a meaningful project that both that you're interested in and that the people that are working on are, are interested in. I think you, your your um, experience working together um, or building something together or, or uh, that I think is the foundation for making those relationships uh, deeper and, and last longer. Mm-hmm. So I would uh, as like trying to like think of a challenge for people listening to try out um if you're in this space and there's no meetup in your in your area you know create a, a meetup like like uh she's saying and create like a weekend where you have like people come and speak and uh, yeah. uh um and like the local news uh contact them as well and get them to come out and then you'll get even more speakers because they like being covered but like try that and like build with people as like i think a small way even if you're an introvert you can you know you can send an email you can you don't have to call someone and like do a sales thing but try that out uh, i keep trying to like like trying to like find challenges for people, like try things. Yeah, it's the same as like you know uh, traditionally having a book club. <laughs> like most people, you don't even have to to know a lot about the the topic. I mean, it would be great if you can get somebody who can speak about the uh, the, the the topic and and has experience. But uh, even just like talking about you know like the future of of space uh, in wherever you are, uh, I think that can open up a lot of very interesting and fruitful discussion for people. What is a problem you have that you currently do not have an answer to or a solution to that maybe someone listening in can think about and, uh, you know, I don't tweet you an idea on how yeah. to solve Yeah. <laughs> uh, sure. Uh, so us also being a startup, I think it's a common uh, common challenge that funding is is uh, is one. So we're now uh, at the stage where we're trying to think of of what are the best ways to be able to get resources. And knowing that so space based is a social enterprise. We've just we're, we're in the process of of getting registered as a charitable organization. So it's not a trust, but having a nonprofit sort of like status and so that uh, brings in different challenges as well uh kind of like for funding so I'm, i'd be interested if uh anybody has any ideas for a for a space focus non-profit organization or company that's sort of like my, my main challenge at the moment what is a question that you have 
that you do not have the answer to that you'd love to have the answer to. So like to like kind of give you an idea of what I mean by this. One one question I always have is if um if like Leonardo da Vinci Leonardo da Vinci is like this like super genius guy or like Einstein was a super genius person or Mary Cleary Mary, I don't know how to say Mary Curie Mary Curie yeah she's uh-huh. very very intelligent people like they like above like you know the one percent in, in terms of intelligence. What if like in terms of evolution? At one point in time, there had to be like that first animal that was sentient. And I always wonder like what it would feel like to be like the first one be sentient, like the first sentient cephalopod and looks around. It's like, oh, wow, what a weird world we live in or, um, or something like that. Or an- another question, which is probably more something that people can answer is like, what would be here if we didn't have the Big Bang uh, or interrupted it? So, <laughs> like that type of thing. It doesn't have to be that big or that weird. Um, but what is something that you wonder about that you don't have the answer to? I know I uh, I originally I said we should not talk about aliens and uh, <laughs> UFOs <laughs> but in the future I mean I guess one of the questions is it's not so for, for me it's like it's not it's not as it's not as if uh it's it's not the question of whether do they exist or not the 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 question is when are we going to have to to make first contact what are some books that you've read recently that you would recommend people check out? I know you're interested in Explorer books. Yeah, well, for one, okay, so old one for sure, like The Endurance is one. But at the same time, there's also a book called Amundsen and Scott, which is, they're, again, they're explorers. They, they, they were racing for the, the South Pole. But um, beyond it being a biography, for me, it was the, I think it was the best management book that I've actually read. And the reason why I say that is it compares how Scott basically managed his team to go to the pole as opposed to Amundsen, who actually got to the pole you know, before Scott and the differences between, between the two and their management styles, uh, I think was pretty, I, I, I think it was really well described. There's, you know, Peter Demandis' Bold, which, of course, talks about, um, you know, uh, yeah, the, the technologies that we have today and, um, like, where we are going to go, kind of, like, into the future. And, and, and the, other, the other one of his books as well is Abundance, of course, um, where it's not dystopian if, uh, future. It's really if we can leverage all of these um, technologies, then we may have a, a really abundant future. Those are the main ones that I uh, wanted to kind of like at least tell people to, to look at. A small follow-up, uh, are there any like, non-Western? Because I, I have like, I have, I'm staring at like my mini library. I, like wherever I go, I just kind of like leave a library amount of books behind. But I have like mm-hmm. the, the Power Broker by Robert Caro. I got Benjamin Franklin, Walter Isaacson, The Black Swan, and uh, the History of the Peloponnesian War, and among other things in front of me. And so that's very like West, Western. I wonder if there's anything, are there any good biographies in, about people in New Zealand? Or uh, oh. yeah, like anything that like, I wouldn't normally, like the ones you suggested so far, do not, I've never heard of them. So those are, so those are great. I'm curious if there are any uh, biographies that you know of that are not of Western people. Well, there's Sir Edmund Hillary's biography as well would be um, would be good, but but of course he's also Western. <laughs> I mean, he's New Zealander, mm-hmm. um, and um, oh, um, 
Now, I didn't really read the book, but um, there's this Chinese uh, explorer called Zen Yi. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I forgot what the, the, the name of the book is, but he basically explored the kind of the, the globe way, way, way ahead of his time. Um, and with technology that was like ahead of his time. Um, that's one that they should make a movie out of. <laughs> yeah, so the last question is, if you had to leave us a quote that you love or an idea to get people excited, it doesn't have to get them excited, just get them thoughtful, but what would be a, a, a fun quote or thing to leave us on? I always basically give this quote, you know, the best way to predict the future is to create it yourself. And that's under, well, sometimes it's... A, like in the modern way, it's it's part of Peter's laws. So Peter Demandis has this laws that uh, that he, he kind of like created, and I think there's like more than ten of them. But I think the original of of, of the um, the quote is from Abraham Lincoln. So um, I always just use the quote just because um, I think definitely we always think of ourselves as, as too small to make a difference. But I think like if you go through history and you look at history, a lot of the things that have happened would not have happened without just like one person, like sort of like turning the tide or, or, or changing course or picking the, the, the right road. Um, and then kind of it's, so the, the butterfly effect is the, and so everything happens after that. Uh, and so if you don't do, if you don't do it, either somebody else will, or it's not going to happen at all. And so if you're passionate about something, um, might as well, you know, try. Cause like, even with me, I, I think, uh, you know, most people always think that what we're trying to do here is just, you know, too big and grand, but, um, you know, it, it might not be that we may not succeed um, and it might, you know, not, might not happen at all, but I, I'd rather have the chance of trying to make it happen than actually not doing anything at all. And that was Emmeline, co-founder of Space Space. You can check her out all the links in the show notes, but the big one you'd want to check out is definitely going to be spacebase.co to check out all the stuff she has going on as all the interviews, the latest ones that I think are really interesting that you're going to want to check out and cue you with my outro with all the reminders. Thank you for coming out today. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. We can be found on Twitter at Lowell was here, Facebook, and on the website, learningwithlowell.com. Also sign up for the newsletter where you can hear amazing content every Monday, new episodes every Tuesday, and new blog posts around every Thursday. Remember to share and tell your friends, please and thank you.